What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boyce, and you're here for another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest, repeat guest, we got Eli Johnson here on the show. We are, and also his brother, Aaron Johnson. We are here to talk about the formula, volume two. Now, volume one is now is already for sale on Amazon, so go get that. But we are here to talk about volume two. Thank you for both for being here. Thank you, Robert. Yes, I'm excited. Thank you so much. Yo, man, I appreciate this 100%. So to get down to it, the two of you in the creation of basically this book in the beginning, there's a lot to this. There, I mean, Eli, of course, I've known your work with, with what you've been doing with Task with Leaders of the Free World and everything like that. But inevitably, you know, I feel like this was more like a legacy project that you you two have always wanted to create. Mm-hmm. So if we could talk about the construction of that first, it was this something that was always in the plan that was always in mind. I mean, I know for a fact you come from a family of artists, so it was only right that this collaboration was going to take place at some point in time, but it did happen. Um, how, how did this begin? So this started probably about six at this point, probably like seven years ago. So mm-hmm. our dad, he kind of came up with the story a little bit humorously you know he kind of wanted to base some characters off of us and he realized we did really great like sequential art comic books and stuff he's like we should just do one of our our own we should make something from scratch instead of like doing other people's characters and stuff so he kind of like came up with a little story really quick but me and Aaron looked at it and we said there's actually something here (laughs) so like the story is actually kind of good if we flesh it out so Aaron myself our dad um you know, we kind of took the time, took a little bit of time and just refined the script, really made it into something that would be unique amongst other independent comics, but also among superhero comics, because we didn't want to do something that had been done before. We wanted to do something that was a little bit outside the box. So we mixed elements of the superhero genre, but we kind of tried to stay a little more street level and then combine yeah. that with a little more police procedural work because we found that would be really fascinating. Like that some of the detective work that goes into it is always like very fun to 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 learn about as a writer and also to kind of flesh out crimes and kind of solve them and you know it's fun for readers to kind of get in that space as well because now they're more invested into the characters and the mystery itself so it's kind of like a twofold thing and um it really works because i draw and aaron draws as well so we interchangeably did the episodes i did one three and five aaron did two and four and so you know, we had like everything was in house and, you know, it really worked out just on a production level. So, yeah. Now, now everybody likes to create allegories that are based off of real life characters that are in your lives. When you three were putting, well, when your dad and you and both of you were basically putting this together, the the characters and basically those personality traits of how that 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 was crafted, like. How did you interpret that, Aaron? And as far as like the writing aspect of that, the putting those personalities into those people, basically taking a, a context of you and taking a context of Eli and taking a little bit of personalities of your of your father and putting it in these characters. Uh, that was the fun part. <clears throat> you know, over the years, you know, all your friends and family and coworkers and stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of writers will say that they're inspired by the escape from reality. Um, but for us, we've always been inspired by our surroundings, our environment, telling stories based off of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the fun part. The challenge, like he was saying, my brother was saying, was um, 
being creative in how you would write a crime or a storyline and how you would solve it on on getting into the mind of like a detective character mm-hmm. and then how you would get away with the crime you know when you get into the mind of the criminal character you know and stuff like that and we wrote it to be a blend between a police procedural like law and order and a superhero story like you know uh x-men so it was fun putting those two worlds together and, and uh kind of studying from the masters, the people that we had grown up watching and then cartoons that stories that and books we read over the years and trying to come up with our own versions of, you know, those stories. Uh, this is something that took us six years in the making between the art and the writing to do. So, but really it was like the combination of all of our life experiences and, and, and art and art experiences leading up to this point that made it, you know, possible. Bird. Now, when we get into the story, Romeo and Jay have a big influence from their father. You know, he's like this heroic figure. He's a firefighter, uh, pretty much got damaged in the line of duty and ultimately perished. And in the long run, like it was already instilled in them that that ambition was going to basically waver in their direction. They grow, mm-hmm. up with a single, they grow up with a single mother. Uh, she's doing damn near everything. She runs, she's, she does like catering. She does yeah, a yeah. nightclub. She's sure. doing all types of shit just to keep the, the, the house afloat. But these kids yeah. are like totally ambitious. They're smart and they're going to school every day. And there's just like an, an overconsumption of reality that's happening to them and in all types of facets. So yeah. little do we know um outside of that you know they always felt like they wanted to dress up as superheroes and fight crime anyway so like the the neighborhood kids that are drug dealers out in the neighborhood literally they would run up on them in their little superhero gear and they might get their ass whooped but still they got approached by some <laughs> by some superheroes exactly and, so I, that, yeah and dude, is that, that like a real that. thing please don't tell me yeah, that, that, Eli that's, dressed that's, up. no 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 that is not this is not based on a true story okay <laughs> we didn't really do it we didn't really do it, but I love the fact that you put that perspective there because, you know, when you do get that introduction to the story, you see, like, what that actually leads to. Like, it doesn't start off heroic at all. Like, oh. you know, <laughs> oh, it's not what would really happen if you try to do that for the first time ever, you know. So, I, I you know, we didn't want to shy away from at all from that. I think uh, another story that uh, we... Uh, we really enjoyed a lot of was Mark Miller's uh, his classic at this point, you know. Um, um, what was right? the name of that? Kick huh? ass, kick ass, kick ass. Yeah, oh, kick ass. What I loved okay. about that one is the what I what I loved about it, especially out of all of us, is that the fact that you saw them lose and the the fights were brutal, and you saw yeah. the hero lose a lot, and every time he lost, it was a very like. Like, oh, he needs surgery. Oh, you know, it took like three weeks in the storyline for his eye to stop swelling. Like, those, and these were all a part of like key parts of the storyline. Like, he didn't just get better the next day. You know what I mean? And it affects the way he was like going to do his job or even do go to school or everything else. It was going to get harder for him to hide, you know, 
the double life aspect of him being a superhero just based on whatever injury or however the night went the day before, you know? I yeah, think that was really really effective. Like, when it comes to writing, it's a challenge. You know, you can't just write it now. Now I'm thinking about, like, oh, wouldn't I notice that if that happened, <laughs> you know, to somebody I know? That was the different. Now you have to think about other ways to write, and it, right, it makes right. the story even better. And when you try to write and put limitations on your even yourself or the characters, you know, yeah. yeah, and 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 even so, like you have a character that they also take solace in as their next door neighbor named Buster, who's like an Alfred character in all this, who yes. like is literally like their best friend, and they all hang over his house, <laughs> and they're all just like super smart. So like literally like trying to figure things out on the whim. But the in the meantime, the conflict that kind of like supersedes this whole thing is that they're inside of their city. There's like almost three pivotal plot points that are happening. One uh, is the fact that uh, Dexter Dre gets out of jail, who is more so mm -hmm. responsible for the arson that 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 basically uh, ended their father's life. Um, mm -hmm. Next is the fact that there is a notorious criminal out there on the loose by the name of Nathan Rhodes. And then mm -hmm. third, third or more, they got to deal with the fact that they're high school kids and there's a designer drug that's floating around their high school the entire time. And, and it goes from almost volume one into volume two, uh, how like basically the, the distribution of the drug has affected the schools in totality. Right. So like, mm -hmm. it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the, the movie Crank, where basically mm -hmm. at Everybody started to like take the where Jason Statham had to take that that hit to get his adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he had to stay at that high point. point the entire time. So like, yeah. these kids take these hits off these inhalers and everything, and getting these these sequences of powers and everything. So at first, when I'm reading issue one, I'm looking at the fact that like, the, is it only like a trigger effect to where like you get the powers for a short period of time, and then it goes away. Or is it just something that stays with you? So in that case, they actually do fade away because there's a if you there's a piece of dialogue in um, episode two, and uh, one of the Pike brothers uh, tells their tells the each other, they're talking to each other the two Pike brothers and he's like tells the guy we get it from to get some more so that they can like keep doing the thing. So right. there's a bit of a hint in there about how it works and the intricacies and the details of how it actually goes kind of get unraveled later. We actually go into a little bit more of the science of it in episodes three, four, and five. But um, yeah, it's it's a temporary thing, and that's why it's becoming an epidemic, because people are going to have to keep using it and using it and using it, and that's where the problem kind of comes in. Right. And now, also in that same sec, because it is a drug, is it the fact that you get these special abilities and they're also getting high off of this? So, so there's almost a dopamine effect that's happening to a designer drug, even though they're they're getting these powers for a short period of time. I don't think that's it's so much that. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't think there is so much a, a dopamine effect to it. I think it's more just the fact that it presents you with this ability to basically have a better life, depending on how you use whatever you get right. from it. And, you know, right. Because I not. And then of course, it's, the, it's the being out. it's being able to maintain it once you get it. Because like, okay, now. Let's say you take it and it makes you really smart and then you, you know, you pass this class or this test and then you got the test and now you're able to right. uh, 
make you know get a scholarship or something now you've got to keep doing it to keep being smart enough to even you know be mm -hmm. in that class but the whole time you're taking it is doing other things to you you know what i mean right you're not there's no you're not getting high off of the drug you're getting high off of the power essentially so that's what's really right. changing people now that they realize i can i can i can you know rip open doors and break down buildings like Mm -hmm. what, can, what could really stop me from doing what I wanted to do? So now people's worst instincts kind of come out when they're when they're presented with that kind of power. So it's really yeah, I can even imagine the fact that because they're a bunch of high school kids, right? They're probably right. these are powers and and just like literally trying to go viral on the shit that they're doing, <laughs> exactly. And then committing that to trying to just to get popular, exactly. Right. So it's, it's just shining a mirror on you. Like if you have it, it's like money, right? It's like it doesn't yeah. change you. It just exposes more of you. Yeah. So the people who are going to do the crimes, they were probably going to do it anyway. Now they just have the right. money to actually do it, you know? Right, exactly. But ultimately, at the end of this, even though all this is happening, uh, the cliffhanger at the end of volume one basically uh, happens with their with their mom. So, like, ultimately, there's a, there's a, there's an attack at the nightclub that she's working at, and she ends up getting heavily injured to where it rides right into volume two. Now, yeah. now breaking into this cliffhanger a little bit, like, because people that are just reading this for the first time, like there was some mask assailants at the end of issue one that also appear at the beginning of issue two. Es essentially, who is responsible for this attack? Right. Well, and that's I don't something think we can reveal that. Ah, okay. We can say that explicitly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, that would ruin the fun. Okay. That would ruin the fun. Yeah, and the fun and the fun part is yeah. finding out and finding out who's responsible is only the first part. Because there's so many more secrets that come out later. Mm -hmm. Right. You yeah. know, so that's just like we don't want to spoil that, but even if someone was to spoil it, that's not even the big surprise. There's so many right. more surprises. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because yeah, I read ahead. <laughs> 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 so it's like, all right, cool, cool. But yes, uh, I, you know, the fact of like that there are major consequences to each character, and if you look at it, uh, we kind of dealt with each and. Uh, each character's story arc in like pairs. Yeah. Like there's always two characters that's always like kind of doing, like approaching whatever situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have the siblings, you know, the Jones, you have these other two that commit the crime. You have, you know, you have the, Mark, uh, the girl. You have, yeah. You have Mark, and the detective, and his, you know, other detective, his partner. There's always like these pairs of people. And they're all at, looking at the same situation, but from completely different perspectives. Yeah. And you come to find out that, like, basically every single event that's happening within these two books are all primarily linked. Like, the attack on his mother is something that's primarily linked to that. You know, the, right. the fact totally. that basically the where this designer drug is coming from is also linked to the boys as well. Right. You know, everything is just primarily linked. Almost, it's not even like a six degrees of separation. It's almost like a one or two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. Even outside of that, you know, this this alter ego that they brought brought um brought together, thunderstorm and brigadier. But that's not even 
some of the other alter egos that they have because they they got Paperboy and Trap Lord because they they've been out here just like doing mixtapes with Buster and everything like that. Right. This is like this is like their cover. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You know, just being regular kids, you know. I mean, how many of us all wanted to be podcasters or rappers when we right. were you know, in school, you I'm know, so, I'm doing plenty now. Yeah, yeah right. now especially. So mm-hmm. you know, that was something that uh we had to we there's no way we could overlook that, you know what I mean? Again, this is just like it was all inspired by people we really know or ourselves even. It's like you know, that's something that we're all in this phase of right now and social media and all of us trying to figure out where we belong. And it's like, OK, we see where uh, we see how everybody else is doing it. So I must need to do it like that, too. And that's even how this uh, this thing is spreading throughout the city. It's like that, you know, monkey see monkey do type of thing that everybody's doing. Like, oh, all of them are doing it. So uh, I don't have a choice. I guess I got to do it, too. You know, right. And so. That's how things get worse and worse and worse throughout the story for everybody involved. And um, it's interesting to see based on how each character's backstory is or their own moral code, how they kind of break the cycle or if they break it at all or they make it continue, you know? Yeah. Now, Eli, now the cliffhanger at the end of volume two, when we're talking about, you know, thank God these kids are extremely, extremely smart. Because they're starting to figure things out. And thank God for Buster, too. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> thank God for Buster. He's the guy in the chair, right? He's, he's the one. Straight up, man. Thank God he's always home. He don't mess with nobody. He just be <laughs> right. home concocting things. He got his little beakers and everything. Because he's the one that's just, while everybody's out there just doing the most wild shit possible, Buster's right. at his crib with, <laughs> with his chemistry set. Yeah, and Straight up. Come to find out that there's like there's something that Buster found out that not a lot of people would be able to understand about the designer drug. And that is generally what leads us to the cliffhanger in volume two. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can only imagine where this is going to set us going forth. Right. Yeah. So like almost in the end of this, um, what the construct of this was like, uh, what? 36 pages out of the first book and like another, was it another 48 in the second volume? Uh, This one is, well, the first one was 32. The second one is 38. So we added a couple more. And it's like a full, what now, six to eight issues right now? Uh, It's two right now. So we have volumes. Yes. We got three three more to go and each one is may or may not get longer and longer. (laughs) I was like, I feel like that there's a lot of things that were that happened in issue one. Yeah. That necessarily there's so much that like that hasn't been touched in volume two that I can imagine can still be talked about going into volume three. Yeah, because oh, yeah. it's gonna get longer. I think the last one was like either fifty or sixty volume uh, episode five. <laughs> we it took a not, few years to drop. We're not thing, playing so. no games. We're not playing no games. It's it's the big one. It's the art, the way both of us really pushed each other to the limits as far as like what we could pull off and the scale of each scene, the mm-hmm. size, the depth of you know the backgrounds and. And uh, 
and then the levels of subplots and sub subplots. It's mm -hmm. it's. I think everybody's gonna enjoy it when it's all said and done. How we pulled it off. I hope everybody yeah. enjoys it. I feel like and, it's worth saying that we didn't really try to make it longer and longer. We really kind of wanted to stick to the traditional format. Have but it be longer, like step by step. Yeah. Right. It was like the once we got to a point where it was like, all right, there's so many story arcs. We can't we can't rush this to make it good. We can't like try to cram everything into twenty something pages. So however yeah, right. many pages it takes to just like finish the story arcs, we gotta do that. So each episode got progressively longer and you know, we just decided, okay, well, Let's just release it like that then, <laughs> you know, instead yeah. of trying to like cram it and do like 10, maybe because we could have stretched it out to maybe like 10 by cutting it in half, but we thought oh. five would be really concise. Or now, one person that I feel like we haven't necessarily touched on in volume two, um, generally because he was ultimately responsible for the demise of Ashtray, their father, Dexter Drake. We haven't mm -hmm. seen like exactly what the, what this person is capable of, right? Yeah. Expecting to see that going forth, maybe in these later volumes. Oh, yeah, because yeah. the way oh, I, was, yeah. I, I I won't give the whole thing away, but episode... yeah, because the ultimate sect of it was the revenge factor that was put right. into it, and yeah. and I still understand that there was like a whole another plot point that that was still put out there, but like they they felt like they had to fall back off of that for a little bit. <laughs> right I expect yeah. that probably to go full scale pretty much going forth yeah because like in episode three we're gonna open with i think that's kind of like a recurring thing is we're kind of opening with the drama right away so you're you're definitely gonna see how dexter factors into everything that's going on and um kind of like the history of him because he's connected with again mark the detective because in episode one the story starts with you know him and mark like mm -hmm. You know, there's that history of them in, in Skid Row in the 90s, and he was a cop, and Dexter was out on the streets. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see how all that becomes relevant to the boys in the present time in episode three. And it's kind of like how Dexter, why he's important. Because right now, we just kind of hear the name Dexter Dre, Dexter Dre, Dexter Dre. But we're going to see why he's a big deal in the next coming episodes. This one was really setting things up for Nathan and for some of the other guys to kind of like, get their shine and kind of figure out where they fall into things but Dexter is like a powerhouse all on his own so we're gonna see that going forward now an another thing uh when you first put this book out um you actually with indie comics being somewhat as experimental as it is sometimes you tried your hand at a little bit of multimedia whether it was doing this as an nft doing this as a almost like a, an act in web three you know like you tried your hand at ways to utilize multimedia in order to put an indie comic out, which was something that's pretty trailblazing. Can you talk on that? Like, as far as like the, how you were able to counteract, not only just the, just the publishing and the distribution bit, but to actually put it out there digitally on the marketplace in that type of facet, a comic book per se. Yeah, we, we definitely had a lot of help. I feel like we're blessed to have really good people around us. Um, the approach to the NFT thing kind of came secondary to what we were trying to do initially because we definitely wanted to have the book online so that people could also get it outside of just purchasing the copies. And yeah. then once we decided to do that, you know, the NFT thing started to boom. So it was kind of like, okay, well, what if we, you know, digitize the book, but also make the book to be like an incentive, like people can buy this and then get other things along with it. 
because that's right. something that's going to kind of raise the stock of the book itself, right? So now your your book becomes comes with collector's items, so to speak. So it, it kind of becomes you gamify the the landscape of comics in a certain sense, where people can buy things and get things for buying it, and that's you know ups your engagement and that raises the profile of the book. And so it was a bit of um, it's it's all marketing really, and that's we got involved with some people who were very knowledgeable about that. Um, it's a sector that's still a bit of a, a question mark to me because it's, it's very vast. NFTs <laughs> are very vast. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, even in the partaking this this book, do you feel like that there is a void out there as far as indie comics are concerned, as far as their distribution and their publishing? Yeah, I yeah. think we, you know, like, and not bragging at all, but you you are right. We were one of the first people to do it. Literally, we were doing it during COVID to actually go into that NFT space, especially as writers, book authors. Most authors weren't doing that. Like people were doing it for video games, you know, people were doing it for like banking, you know, but nobody was doing it as authors really, except me and you, you know, and a few people in the space. So when it comes to filling that void, I feel like <clears throat> we were doing it right before that cryptocurrency space was even understood or mainstream. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't ever a lot of people doing it. And then when it got to its peak, maybe like two years ago, uh, it wasn't a lot of people successful at doing it. Everybody was doing it, but no, but almost nobody was successful. Mm -hmm. And now that it's kind of died off, there's even less people doing it. So it kind of had this space where it was like either it had this space where it was like underrepresented and then overrepresented, then the market was saturated, and then it kind of had a bubble. The bubble and the bubble pop. But I feel like at some point it will come back, but it's going to be a more controlled, stable version of it. Because now people are familiar with it and they know the rules. They are not it's not all gonna be like the FOMO and the hype. You know, that came with uh, right. trying to collect every single thing. I think we, especially with our project, did it in a in a pretty realistic, in a balanced way. We um, were honest about it. You know, we were like, okay, buy this, you, you get this. And we didn't try to, yeah. it, which is what and a lot we, of guys tried to do. And you know, we still the have it there. Like, for example, if you were to buy the soundtrack that comes with the album, you can buy it through... Um, can buy it through audit uh, i think audify that's a crypto uh platform but it's a free platform as well so all you need to do is make an account which is free and then you can buy or share the the soundtrack once you do that people who got the nfts or stuff like a part of the project they also became shareholders in the whole project so anytime they would buy something or sell it they'd make a profit right. of the product and that would go on forever because it's in the contract of buying that nft so it wasn't like a it wasn't like we were trying to just make a whole lot of money really fast you know it was like we wanted to make it a thing where people were supporting us or also make money as well just for believing in it in the early stage that we had you know got to at that point being one of the first people to utility do it. utility was always the utility. word that i used for it like we wanted to make something that would had utility built into it would because 
you know, it isn't so obvious with an NFT, like the utility of it, because it's like kind of like, why would I want to buy something that's digital if I could actually buy the real thing, right? So, right. people, there's there's a bit of a there's a bit of a confusion and misconception about it, and a lot of people tried to capitalize on that. Honestly, a lot of guys took advantage of the fact people didn't know what NFTs were, but they wanted to get in on the hype, right? But mm -hmm. we were always very honest about this is what you're going to get, this is how you can use it, this is going to support the book. This is how we're giving back to you. So, you know, we tried to be as honest and provide as much function and utility as we could with the NFTs when we were doing it. And you can still get those. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're still up right now. So anybody who's into that space and still is active on those sites can still support the book or the series through the NFTs. Yeah, because I can imagine a lot of people, most people, will take uh not necessarily take advantage but will take the opportunity for people to sponsor or actually uh become a shareholder in a company after they've already been established you're trying to basically contribute to that factor within just the singular volume of your book like you become a shareholder just by like the initial read that sure. doesn't happen exactly so we were trying to just think outside the box and like figure out how can we make this technology relevant to us you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. we're not going to try to copy what everyone else is doing because that's working for them or it's not working for them so we just wanted to figure out how can we use this to further what we're trying to do but also to provide some you know some function for people so now uh formula volume two now i know volume one is now uh you can basically purchase purchase the 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 cover back and the kindle right now on amazon uh, where, where can we get this book uh, once it once it drops? So currently you can find it exclusively on the website, theformulacomic.com. Uh, it's there in digital format right now, which is also cheaper than getting it in physical formats, which we're going to have uh, unveiled like in the next week because Comic-Con is right around the corner. So we are going to have the physical copies right now. The paperbacks are coming first. We're going to have those at Comic-Con. We're looking for, into distributors for the hardcovers. So that's in the works. But those will be coming shortly after that. So between now and December, you can get it digital. From December onwards, you can order them physical. We're going to have them in Amazon. We're going to have them uh, and a few other online stores as well. So definitely keep an eye on our website. Subscribe to the newsletter to get updates on where we'll have those out. But those are the two places you can for sure count on. The formula .com, com, and Amazon as well. Okay. And I, and I believe, uh, what is it? If you're talking about Comic-Con, are you talking about LA Comic-Con? Yes, it's December 1st through the 3rd. LA Comic Con are going to have a booth out there with Anime Hip Hop. It's going to be myself, Aaron, and our uh, partner, Eric. And we're going to have a couple of different guys out there from the team as well. Justin Higgins did the colors for this book for Volume 2. So he's going to be out there with us as well. Um, yeah. We have some other animators as well and um, from the team. And so we're all going to just uh, going to be out there for the three days doing the Comic Con thing in, in uh, the LA Convention Center. All right. Now, 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 Aaron, how did you say the reception was for L.A. Comic-Con when you had the first volume out? Uh, wait, one more thing. I forgot. I was mute, but I was saying <laughs> there's something we, we forgot to overlook. The pre-orders are available now. If you go to the website, you yep. can pre-order the physical right now. So even though they're not in print, by the time they will be available, you can, you'll already have yours. So not only that, and will the and not only that, and not only will our whole production team be involved, we'll also have some celebrities over there as well. 
We have Char Jackson from Moesha and Good Burger. She's going to be at our booth. We're going to have WWE Hall of Famer Rikishi, who's going to be at our booth as well. Uh, we might have some more guests coming over through as well. I'm going to wait to see if we, when we can announce them. But yeah, our booth is going to be crazy. LA Comic Con, it's December 1st through the 3rd. Um, so everybody who wants the physical, start your pre-orders now from the website, the, the formulacomic.com. And the digitals you can get ASAP right now. Hey, hey. Now, what look, hey man, it's been a pleasure to talk to both of y'all about this comic, man. I can't wait to basically get this in my hands. Uh, I appreciate y'all getting me this advanced copy. So definitely, once again, Eli, always a pleasure talking to you. Aaron, very good to meet you, brother. Yes, sir. Or, yes, so sir. um formulacomic.com right now. You can basically get the pre-orders for volume two. You can go to Amazon right now and get volume one in your hands, rather whether it be through Kindle or you can get the paperback. And they will be at LA Comic Con December 1st through the 3rd that weekend. Yes, sir. So yep. look out for these brothers. They will be out there showing out. All right. So I expect y'all to sell a whole bunch of fucking copies. Do you yes, think? Sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. It's so mandatory. absolutely. <laughs> so for James Grandmaster Facts Boyce, Eli Johnson, Aaron Johnson, the Formula Comic. Shout out to your dad, Frederick uh, Frederick Johnson. Yes, sir. Or the, 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 the patriarch yeah. of this entire thing. So the real formula. Do y'all thing. <laughs> the real formula. <laughs> the, 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 the real, <laughs> real ass straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. So for, for us over here at the Facts Project, thank you guys. We are out. <laughs>